Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. News Talk 1110 WBT Friday morning. I don't sound like Vince Coakley. It's because I'm not Vince Coakley. I'm not either. You're not. You're Beth. I'm Bo, and we're here for one extra hour today because Vince is off today. So we hope you'll stick around until 11 a.m., and then Pete Callender will take the baton for the second half of Vince's show, and uh, he'll start an hour early today. So, uh, like we say, team effort, we get it done, and Vince will be back on Monday, and there will be plenty to talk about on Monday. Uh, out of the gate here, and oh, by the way, we're going to talk to uh, Ray Stagic coming up at uh, 1020 with the latest on the uh, weather this afternoon. Not going to be like Tuesday, uh, at least not as bad as Tuesday, but uh, some of today's weather system will feel at times like Tuesday. So uh, wherever you're going to be, uh, you're going to want to hear what Ray has to say about weekend plans. And we've gotten word that CMS has canceled all afternoon after school activities, including athletics for today. So they believe that uh, although the kids are in school today, what's going to happen this afternoon is going to be uh, possibly uh, too turbulent for um after-school activities. Which I have to hand it to CMS. They've been really on top of, of what's going on, and, and they've been extra careful to make sure that students are safe and that buses are safe on the roadways, and you have to commend them for that. Let me uh, read you the official wording, just so you know. It says, after-school events and activities, including ASEP, athletics, community use, and tutoring, are canceled today, July 12th, due to predicted inclement weather. Um, it says uh, things will resume as normal tomorrow, the 13th. The safety and well-being of students and staff are the utmost importance to us each day. Thank you for support. So that's the uh, official word from the CMS website. If you haven't heard that already, uh, that is within the last hour. And this is within the last several minutes. The Charlotte Hornets have unveiled a $250 million uh, project in renovation plans for the Spectrum Center. And, you know, they, we knew they had the, the funds that had been uh, needed to do this. They, they've, uh, that, th- we knew renovations were coming. Now we're seeing what exactly that means. According to the Charlotte Observer, uh, plans here include improvements for the 19-year-old building, new seats, bigger suites, improvements at the concession stands. Work's going to take place between May of 2024 uh, to s- to be ready for the start of the 25-26 season. So um, they'll start this year, but you won't see the end product until the following season. Well, here is a but part of a statement from the executive vice president and Spectrum Center general manager, Donna Julian. She says, we are thrilled to share initial renovation plans with our guests who have been top of mind at every stage throughout the reimagining process. We have always viewed Spectrum Center as an important community asset that brings people together and has tremendous economic impact for our city. Reimagine Spectrum Center touches nearly every aspect of the arena and allows and allows us to remain the premier destination for sports and entertainment in the Carolinas, drawing more high-profile events and thus more patrons to Uptown Charlotte. Well, and look, uh, the the DNC was at the Spectrum Center. Uh, the RNC was supposed to be there. Uh, we've seen what uh, David Tepper. Uh, say what you will about his recent uh, uh, dealings with the Panthers. David Tepper's brought some big-time events 
uh, concerts and such. To, he brought uh, music back to Charlotte. <laughs> or he brought music to Charlotte. I was trying to not say it that way. <laughs> Come on. He said it because we could just repeat it. But you know what I'm saying. Like, yes. like, like I think the Hornets probably, I mean, Fred Whitfield uh, just stepped down, but the Hornets brass are seeing new things coming to Bank of America Stadium and saying, all right, let's, let's up our game down here. And you also may be saying, where's the funding for this coming from? Yeah. The funding for the renovations are from the city's tourism fund dollars. Uh, like taxes collected on rental cars and hotel rooms. And it was back in June of 2022 that uh, the city approved $215 million in investments to upgrade the arena and $60 million to build a practice facility for the team. And um, so we'll see this all play out now. But um, if, I don't know if you're listening to us right now, when's the last time you went to the Spectrum Center? I'll say this about the Spectrum Center. Um, and, and this is a guy who grew up going to the old... <laughs> You have to say the old new Charlotte Coliseum, because if you're new to Charlotte, there was a period of time between 1988 and what, 2006, where there was a 23,000 seat cavernous Charlotte Coliseum out on Tyvola on Road. Tyvola Road, the new Coliseum. That, uh, you know, at its height of, of, of use and popularity, not to mention the Charlotte Hornets, but they had the Final Four there. Yeah. Um, they had some big events there. They had the NBA All-Star Game in 1991. Um, but then I think it was one of those buildings that was deemed too big. And what I love about the Spectrum Center, uh, first of all, I love where it is versus Tyvola Road. I'd much rather have it be an uptown amongst everything. Although I do miss all of the parking on Tyvola Road. You just walk, you just drive right in. The, the parking lot was so enormous, you could have built a house in there. You could have, you could take your RV. But see, that's the problem, is the parking was, it was horrendous to get in and out. Oh, well, because the road structure like itself. You, you're right. You didn't have to find... I remember when when the Spectrum Center, back then it was called Bobcats Arena. Which, I mean, remember, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago when it opened. I was working for Fox at the time and did a tour with the the guy who designed it and you know, it was showing me the high-tech concessions and I tried all the new food and it was, and that feels like it was a year ago. And here we are already talking about renovations and we're talking 19 years later. Yeah, I mean, I think the Spectrum Center is one of the great places to watch an event. And I think the reason that I like it so much is because I remember how far away you were from the court if you had, you know, what they called nosebleed seats at the Charlotte Coliseum. Now, I have a special place in my heart for the Charlotte Coliseum on Tyvola because that's where I first used to go see Hornets games. Hornets and, games and like the Def Leppard concert. Oh, yeah. And the circus. Now, the first time I saw the circus was actually at Bojangles Coliseum now, which is was then the Charlotte Coliseum. But I saw a lot of wrestling matches. Uh, the, fir- <laughs> the first pro wrestling match I ever saw was, was the very first one they had to open up the new Charlotte Coliseum. Um, and some people may say you never saw it at uh, Independence Arena or, or Bojangles. I did, but it was after the fact. I just so happened it was 19, would have been 1988. Mm. That's the first time I saw NWA pro wrestling at, uh, at any, any event. And I, and I remember it was Ric Flair. Who did Ric Flair fight? I think he, think he fought Barry Windham. It was Flair versus Wyndham, and they had the Legion of Doom, and they had Dusty. So anyway. That's one of my favorite things about you is this, this pro wrestling knowledge that you have just buried in that little head of yours. Pro wrestling has a, again, like the building itself, pro wrestling from a certain era, a very important piece of my heart. Well, I totally get it. I'm excited to, to see what these renovations are. I, one of the big things that I do want to point out, and you know that this is exciting to me, they are up in the game 
for the food and beverage experience, which we know is why I go to those games mm-hmm. is for the food and beverage experience. And they say they're going to create a more, quote, frictionless interaction that will improve the overall <laughs> concession experience. That sounds kind of... Uh, kind of was the, Tell me about the friction before. <laughs> like, I can't decide if it was people fighting. I can't decide <laughs> if people just got too close. What was the friction? You'll love our concessions. Less friction. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, big uh, renovations coming to the Spectrum Center. More to come on that, but that was just released today. Uh, when we come back, Ray Stajic on something even more immediate, this afternoon's latest storm system and what you need to do this weekend to prepare. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Friday morning, January 12th. Feels like Groundhog Day, but wait, it's not February yet. It's only January, but here we are again with another weather alert day this afternoon. I'm hoping it's not going to be as intense as it was on Tuesday, and and now we're looking towards next week as well. And I'm here to tell you, Ray Stages told us about this all the way a week ago. So it's not like we didn't know all this was coming, but, uh, boy, uh, you've had a week, my friend. Oh, I feel bad for you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, And it ain't over yet, I've got. TV work Saturday and Sunday morning. I'm going to try to take a break Monday. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, and that's going to be just in time for, what, the cold to get here and then going to send people scrambling. Um, So why don't we just talk about that? In a little bit. Let's talk about here and now. Let's pace ourselves. <laughs> slow down. So, I so, do have a tendency to talk a little fast, so slow me down if you need to. Well, let's uh, let's slow things down to today. Now, we know what happened here on Tuesday. That was a pretty intense day all the way around with the wind and the flooding, and uh, everyone around Charlotte's wondering, okay, uh, in a few hours later this afternoon, are we about to see uh, uh, Chapter 2? Is it going to be uh, as intense? What are we expecting today? I don't think as intense, um, but still some strong or severe storms. Now, remember, I mean, it's one or two storms can make all the difference. And it still is possible that you get one or two warnings, and it could be a severe or a tornado warning where uh, we do get a spin-up on this line as it comes on in. But it's going to move along a little quicker, so I don't think the rain will be as heavy. And we don't think that the severe weather will be as much, but if... You didn't get it last time. You might get it this time. So I would still have everybody just prep the same way that you would um, for severe weather because, you know, you really can't pinpoint on the line exactly where we are going to see the severe storms go. And the good news with all this is that yesterday there was a large area of enhanced risk in the southeast that – the Storm Prediction Center puts out the severe weather risks had put out that did get into the eastern half of the state. Now, it's more slight risk and marginal risk, so lower on the chances for severe storms. And that slight risk does get into Charlotte, so we're not completely out of the woods. But the risk and the amount of severe weather has come down just a little bit. So that's good news. What's the timing we're looking at today if people are thinking about leaving work early or maybe working from home? 
Sure. Uh, I think we're good through lunchtime. As we head toward early afternoon, by about 2 o'clock, some spotty showers may come up. And out ahead of the main line, there could be some storms developing at about 2 o'clock to the west of us. And those storms will have the opportunity to become severe. So even ahead of the main line, between 2 and 4 o'clock, some of these bigger storms come through. Um, there'll be some downpours. I don't think there's a real high flash flood threat, though. So I don't think we have to worry about flooding. Um, and then between about 3 and 6 this evening, the strongest storms come through and starts tapering off. Um, probably after 8 or 9 o'clock, the threat will be over. So really, we'll start being threatened by showers and thunderstorms at about 2 o'clock. The worst of it probably pushing through close to dinner time and then sweeping out later and then things quieting down and some drier air coming in for the next couple of days. So we had, of course, after Tuesday of this week, people are feeling a little overwhelmed and exhausted, and I'm sure they're going to have that feeling again after today's storms uh, move through. Do we have a weekend where we get to take a breath before we have potential weather at the beginning of the week? Do we get a breather? Do we have time to go and put our coat on is what she's asking. (laughs) Um, April? No, I don't know. Um, You know, I look ahead, and, you know, we can only go out so far. And, um, you know, and obviously as you go out further and further in the extended, um, you know, there's less and less accuracy to it. We will trend colder next week. Um, next weekend, however, if you said throw darts at it right now, it does look like it's going to be dry and chilly at least Saturday. And then the American model is trying to develop low pressure to our east, and we could be on the cold side of it and blah, 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 blah. However, before next weekend gets here, there is a chance that we could get some snow. And I think I mentioned it yesterday in my forecast, the models that we're kind of on again, off again with it. It was off yesterday, and it came back on later, and now it's back on with uh, rain and snow showers around maybe Monday night into Tuesday. And if that cold air entrenches itself deep enough and the moisture sticks around even into Tuesday night, um, we could have some problems with a uh, little wintry weather, not only early Tuesday morning, but maybe even on in through um, Tuesday night, too. So there's a lot of variability with what could happen. And, of course, this far out and you know, this part of the country, it's always difficult um, trying to forecast uh, winter weather. But uh, I think a pretty good chance we'll see at least some snowflakes. The question will be how much and how much does it impact travel. But when the rain ends today, or tonight, I yep. should say, and then what, what about the, the period of time between uh, this system and the colder one that you're talking about to start next week? Well, tomorrow's going to feel real chilly. The sun's going to be out. When the wind's not blowing, it's going to be 50. And be like, well, this isn't terrible for mid-January. But then with the wind's gusting maybe 30-plus, uh, especially early in the day, be like, man, this is pretty darn cold. Yeah. And same thing for Sunday. It'll look real nice. But with that breeze blowing, 50 degrees is going to feel kind of not so nice. The winds will back off even on MLK Day. And will cloud over as the low dives in out across the south and tries to throw some moisture across the area by Monday night. Um, and temperature is going to be down near freezing, but it will stay dry through MLK Day. It's Monday night to Tuesday, and Tuesday night, that's the time frame. And then some chilly weather. Might not get out of the 30s on Wednesday with lows at night in the teens. So two dry days, three dry days before the next system comes in. Well, uh, before I let you go, uh, so we know what it's going to do here. Now, you've laid that all out for us. I keep hearing this phrase that I haven't heard in a while, polar vortex. And then, you know, tomorrow night with the Chiefs and the Dolphins, it's supposed to be the coldest for those teams that it's ever been for a playoff game, and then the Iowa caucuses on Monday. Uh, incredibly cold weather, so uh, this polar vortex thing, is that, uh, is, that, is that safe to say? Is that, is that accurate to say? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, as we always try to tell people, the polar vortex always exists. It's just, you know, it makes visits into the U.S. every once in a while. So, you know, with the coldest air bottled up in Canada during the wintertime, and when we do get these Arctic outbreaks, that's basically the polar vortex coming in. And this morning I was looking, and I saw temperatures 30 below zero in northern Montana, mm-hmm. and that's the air temperature. So, yes, the polar vortex is in the northern tier of the U.S., and in southern Canada, it was 54 below zero, and that was with, without the wind. So that Arctic air is going to spill into Kansas City. Kickoff temperatures tomorrow night may not even be above zero. Oh. And even if they are, it's only going to be by a couple degrees. Wind chills in the teens below zero. So frigid oh. weather for that. Extremely cold. And then into um, Iowa for the caucuses early next week. Um, temperatures are going to be very cold. Uh, we're going to go from the 50s today to the 30s tomorrow, and then we're going to see the bottom fall out. Well, not the 50s today, but um, we're going to go from frigid temperatures today in the single digits. Right now it's 16. They'll see temperatures fall, and they got a blizzard warning for parts of the state like Des Moines right now. Yeah. Um, it is going to be extremely cold. I, I don't know if daytime highs are going to get out of the single digits next week in some spots. All right, well, you know what they say. The Chiefs and the Dolphins enjoy the hockey game. <laughs> As I like that. All right, man. Thank you, Ray. Okay. Lo and Beth here, an extra hour this morning, sitting in for Vince Coakley. We're making a cameo in a different hour. We're going to bring our friend Brett Winterbull into same hour. Coming up. This is all hands on deck radio, guys. Uh, I have not talked to Brett Jensen. I don't know what he's doing right now. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Bonus BT. That's what we like to call it. Or Good Morning BT Overtime. Because Vince Coakley's off today, and so we are carrying the torch an extra hour till 11. Then Pete Callender takes the baton at 11, and then heads to noon, and then the circle is complete. It's like the world's greatest relay race. I just got a, a note here. Kevin says, really, Bo and Beth, closing because it's going to rain? What the heck? Did either of you experience closing or delaying school because of rain? He said, glad my kids don't attend CMS, though I, I uh, did it for elementary. Uh, they've gone off the deep end. Uh, That's from our friend Kevin. Well, uh, look, just to clarify, CMS has canceled after-school activities, uh, including uh, athletics, community use, uh, tutoring, uh, and, you know, basketball games across the county uh, are are canceled tonight. So uh, school day is going as normal, but what happens after the school day, because of the storms that are supposed to be in here this afternoon, they have been canceled. Do I remember it ever happening when I was in school because of rain? Uh, Candidly, No. But I'm not saying that I think that uh, I think they made the right decision this past Tuesday. Yeah, so. they did. They're doing this just out of an abundance of caution. All right. So uh, we're making a cameo in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Why not add one more? Brett Winterbull now joins us. Good morning. Good morning. Good mid-morning. Yeah, almost. Good, good lunch, mid-morning. Good lunchtime almost. Uh, I... I when you send me a story, Brett Winterbull, you know that I'm going to have to bring this up with you because I'm going to want to hear your your genius banter. I I didn't even know what to say about this uh, particular story because I am a baker. I like to make bread. Uh, this headline from the Mirror UK: Shopper at a loss for words as cashier tears baguette in half to make it fit in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a vile. Is that not like one of the most violative things that's ever? I mean, you do not have the authority to disfigure my baguette. <laughs> disfigure. 
<laughs> this is why this is why I like the self checkout line. Because no one Thank is going you. to tear your baguette if for you. If anybody's gonna tear it, it's gonna be me. But, but if you're seriously. grabbing that baguette, you better be putting it gently into a bag. I you know, this is not this is what did really did we lose a war? I mean, have we lost the ability to just take a a lengthy baguette and put it in a bag? We have to like fold it over. <laughs> I mean, tear it in half. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, people of a certain generation will remember uh, John Belushi making submarine sandwiches as a samurai, Honestly, and he no. would uh, throw the bread up in the air and then yeah. cut it with a sword. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. Well, here's what I'm thinking of. As a as a baker, as someone who likes to make baguettes, you put a lot of work and effort. A baguette is it's a very difficult thing to make and to get that shape and to get that length. And if you are the baker and you're watching this bread get handled and torn in half and then suddenly the shape is off and... Yes, it's misshapen. It's misshapen. It's not right. Now, you bring that home... You bring that home to your lovely husband, you bring that home to your lovely wife, or both, depending, I'm not judging, and you go, you bring that home, and the, what's the first question? What'd you do to the bread? <laughs> Why did you disfigure my bread? And this, I mean, this cashier doesn't know what the person is going to do with the bread. What if they had a whole presentation, and they got a perfect size for the cutting board right. to make the perfect charcuterie? You know, like... <laughs> This is correct. Look, there are breads that you can tear easily. I give you the challah bread, okay? <laughs> you can, it tears cleanly. It's nice. The baguette, it's chewy. It's, it's, got, it's got elasticity to it. And you start, you start monkeying with that, you get a real problem on your hands because you don't get a clean cut. You get a tear. And... What are you going to do? You're going to go home and try to glue it together with mayo? <laughs> with mayo. <laughs> Nutella? Hey, honey, give me the Nutella. I got to glue the baguette together. Well, if it's a baguette, then what's what? What's the? Does that mean the big long piece is a bag? That baguette. That, yeah. Oh, yes. Well, here's why I ask because my brother and I, my brother, my son and I, uh, and we'll never forget this. We went to Panera one time and we ate inside. And you know, when you order a meal, you usually get a baguette, the yeah, little piece with it. Little, yeah. And somehow, yeah. somehow, when they brought ours, they 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 didn't bring his his piece. So we said we we did, we didn't get a baguette, and they 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 brought him out like a three foot long baguette. That was the whole baguette. Yes. that's the whole baguette. Because normally they'll slice it for you, give you a little piece okay. of the baguette. So the baguette itself is the big long piece of bread that that's that looks this is phenomenal. It looks this like is phenomenal. A, <laughs> this is what happens when great. when we go into overtime and we bring aboard our friends. We talk about baguettes. We talk <laughs> well, I couldn't not bring it up because I was giggling to myself whenever you sent me the story, Brett Winnable. Like I said, I always need to hear your witty banter, especially if it involves bread. Well, you know, I just listen. It, I spent a lot of bread on that baguette, and I need a, a, an intact baguette. I want a refund. I want a refund if you tear my baguette. And we also did not talk about the fact that this person is checking out food. So that means you're handling other people's credit cards. You're handling oh, all of the groceries. My. And they no, just I didn't took, know that. They no, just took their hands no. and tear no. the baguette. Oh, your filthy hands all over my baguette. You just defiled my baguette. What am I? I need a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe the perpetrator? Yes, 
she was 16 with filthy hands. And an apron. Defiling, and, bread, and, an apron. and breadcrumbs all over her shirt. <laughs> <laughs> She's a serial terror. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, we'd be remiss if before we uh, get done here, we, we don't uh, at least say a, a few things or two about the final push, the final weekend before the Iowa caucuses mm-hmm. on Monday. Um, so much talk about how cold it's going to be in, uh, yeah. in Iowa. Do you think the cold weather is going to end up being a big yep. factor in this? Yes. Yes. It's going to be a big factor. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Make a prediction. Are you ready? The prediction is they're going to wheel in. Vivek Ramaswamy like Han Solo when they put him in the uh, in the freezer chamber. And what's going to be phenomenal is his his giant pompadour is going to be standing straight up, and he's going to end up being the winner in Iowa. <laughs> I just, you know, I always wondered. You know, if you're a Star Wars guy, people fall into one of two categories. Okay, either you call him Han or you call him Han. Now, what Le- did I call him? Lando called him Han. Uh, you know, Leia called him Han. Winterbull uh-huh. just called him Han. So that must mean that you hail from Cloud City. I, that is awesome. I didn't even know see, that. See, see, that's that's going deep wow. right there. You know, did you see what he had in his hand in addition to the lightsaber? <laughs> A baguette! Yeah, you go, baby! <laughs> Half a baguette. Half a baguette, yes. A broken baguette. Oh, my goodness. All right. That has. Let me that, just say one thing. One last thing. What's that? None of this will be on my show today. <laughs> Not this. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. That's What's coming up today? Not that. Not that. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I tell you, I will, though. I'll be on your show this afternoon. 505. Be there. Bring a baguette. We'll be searching for the other half of the baguette. That's right. <laughs> All right, man. That's Brett Winterbull. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Friday morning, Vince Coakley radio program. But actually, today it's overtime of Good Morning BT. We uh, played to a tie at the end of the nine o'clock hour, and so uh, they said we got to settle this the old-fashioned way. We got to we got to play an extra quarter. Yep, we're actually here we are. F- actually four quarters. So this is the final quarter, and I guess Pete Callender is going to find out whether or not uh, we end in a tie again. <laughs> I mean, it could be at eleven o'clock that uh, we still remain uh, tied, and we have to keep on going until. You know, somebody scores a touchdown. And we may be here till the Brett Winterbull show. <laughs> That's right. Who knows? Uh, we're having. Uh, hey, it's been a it's been a long road to get here today, but we've had a lot of fun. And if you're new to us, because you usually hear Vince, but maybe you don't hear the morning show, why don't you come join yeah, us earlier? Where you been? We, we want a, you to join. We have a great time. Uh, we get you to work or to school or wherever you need to go, uh, knowing all there is to know to have a conversation around the water cooler. I mean, look, that's simplistic, but really, that's the that's the base goal of what you and I do. And the one thing that we love doing is we also we love bringing joy to people as they head into their day because what better way to get you prepared for a day to conquer your day? Um, we had a, you know, a little bit of joy. And look, we talk politics as much as the next guy. Actually, we don't talk politics as much as Vince and Pete, but that's by design. Mm-hmm. Or Brett. 
We like politics. It's just, it's just not everything that we That's do. It's not all we do. But uh, it's a huge part of this radio station. And we've talked a lot of politics this week because the Iowa caucuses are mon- on Monday. And oh, by the way, while we're talking about the fact that we talk politics, we should tell you that next week on Good Morning BT, uh, two things to put on your calendar. In the 9 o'clock hour on Tuesday, I'm sorry, the 8 o'clock hour on mm-hmm. Tuesday, the 8 o'clock hour Tuesday, 8 to 9, we will have Congressman Richard Hudson in studio for an hour. Yes, we're so excited about that. And then we have an exclusive interview, Bo Thompson, on Thursday in the 9 o'clock hour. That's right. Bill Graham, who is running for governor and on the GOP side, he and, of course, uh, Mark Robinson squaring off right now. And, of course, uh, also the state treasurer, Dale Falwell. So there are three GOP candidates. Uh, we're going to have Bill Graham in his first interview, his first live interview anywhere since he declared for governor a couple of months ago. Uh, now, it's the same Bill Graham that used to join us on Thursdays as a regular guest to talk about uh, all things legal, because, of course, Bill is a is an attorney. But uh, since he has decided to run for governor, he can't do the regular Thursday segment anymore. But now he's going to sit down with us and uh, spend an hour in studio talking about running for governor. And I know he has lots of thoughts about his competitors and uh, even looking ahead to the general election. Should he get there about a potential race between Bill Graham and Josh Stein? If you watch anything on TV right now, the only thing you see more than Bill Graham ads or are Beth Troutman car ads. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> But you see a lot of Bill Graham and a lot of Beth Troutman. But You do see a lot of Bill Graham ads, which, I, I mean, that's an effective campaign strategy to get his name going. And people, he hit, this is not his first um, time running a statewide race. So this is, a, this is an exciting time. And we can't wait to get the exclusive and hear about why he decide, decided to file and uh, what his preparations are heading into the general election. So that is uh, next week. Lots of politics to talk about. We've been talking about baguettes. Because why not? It's Friday. Yeah. I, mean, I want to give you, Vince Coakley listeners, a little taste of everything we do, including this. Taste the baguette. Taste the baguette. Uh, according to a Mirror UK headline, a shopper was mortified when her baguette was torn in half by a cashier in order to fit said baguette into a bag. All right, Michael. Michael's on line one at 704-570-1110. I didn't necessarily think the baguettes would generate calls, extend to a second segment, but uh, look, we are a show of the people, and Michael wants to talk about baguettes. Hey, Michael. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Hi. Good, Good to talk to you. I, I just wanted to say that in the beginning, God begat the baguettes. <laughs> the the, now, wait a minute. The, the little pieces that fell off, according to me, because I'm Italian, were the baguettinis. Michael, um, <laughs> God beget the baguettes and the bagatinis. Maybe later today. Maybe later today we can break bread together. <gasps> uh huh. Uh-huh. See. Did you, did you? I, I just could I say one thing really quickly? Yeah. You guys make my day in the morning. Uh, my wife passed away two years ago, and it's so nice to. It's almost like I'm having a conversation with you, and I hear you two on the on the radio. So thank you. <gasps> Well, that Michael. just made my week, you saying that. That could not be, I mean, there's the most beautiful compliment in the world, and we're so sorry for your loss, but we're so oh, glad you. that you're part of our family and that we do well, something like good for your heart. Yeah, it's nice. Thank you so much, Beth and, and Bo. Uh, I appreciate it. 
Michael, uh, like like Beth said, uh, first and foremost, we're so sorry for your loss, but we're also uh, so happy that somehow we can bring you uh, some joy and positivity in the in, you know despite that because you said something that um, that we really do strive for, and I've said this on the air, and Beth has said it. We said it off the air to each other before too. One of the most recurring things we hear from listeners when we see them when we go out to public events is, you know, when you guys are on the air, it just sounds like you're talking. And, and that's why that whole promo about they don't know they have microphones, that's where that came from, because we really do kind of feel that way a lot of times, is that uh, we, we try to do it as if, look, we're going to have this conversation whether the mic is in front of us or not. Right. And so the fact that you feel that way reinforces sort of a mentality that we've had about uh, where this show is about two years in. That's working. Oh, well, Michael, you know, Bo and I really, really are really good friends, and we're so excited that you're one of our friends, too, and, and, and joining us for the conversation. And, Beth, your, your, your sense of humor is like my wife, so that's even better. Oh, <laughs> oh, Michael, what a lovely phone call. You just sent me into the weekend with my heart like seven times its normal size. Thank you. Uh, thank you. All right. Bye now. All right, pal. Thank you, Michael. That's a, that's a wow, great... Wow, I'm in tears. What a great phone call. I know. It started about, like, who knew that a conversation about bread was going to lead us to this beautiful connection with another human being. I love life. Yeah. Do you see where the crumbs led? <laughs> <laughs> All you got to do is follow the crumbs. That's right. We're like uh, Hansel and Gretel over here. Was that? Were they the ones who followed the crumbs? Yes, it was Hansel okay. and Gretel. Who else would it have been? I don't know. Who else got? Who Hans else? and Franz? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But we have a uh, – we're, we're, we are very, very, very lucky, Bo Thompson, that we have um, such a – um, an incredible family out there joining us for these conversations and that they do enjoy the the fact that that we enjoy all of us in this room not just not just Bo but John Moore and Bernie Bowles and and when Jim Zoki is in here that we all just really enjoy each other and our conversations most of the time we can't remember which ones were on air and which ones were in the commercial breaks <laughs> sometimes that's annoying sometimes that's that's fitting right <laughs> well annoying only to us because we can't remember if we've yeah. already covered like, a topic like i'm glad that it, it could have just as well been off the air but on the air but then sometimes i'm like have we done this yet? <laughs> and then and then even better, somebody calls in and says, yes or no. Yeah, somebody calls us and said, yes, guys, you talked about this yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we, we host the show. We don't always listen, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we hope everybody has a great weekend. Stay with WBT. We have uh, intense, possibly severe weather moving in this afternoon once again. Ray Stajic says, doesn't expect it to be as bad as it was on Tuesday or as long, but, it, you know, if you're in the wrong spot, it could be that bad again so be careful be careful out there we hope you have a lovely lovely weekend and if you have never joined us before join us on monday morning whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about kaskali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if kaskali is right for you Alrighty, Pete Callender filling in for Vince Coakley. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are two different phone numbers, but they both come right to this studio. You can also send me an email, pete at thepetecallendershow.com. 
Uh, you can also hit me up on Twitter, which is where we do a lot of the wet work, the trolling and uh, smacking around uh, various people, rhetorically speaking, of course. Um, and that's at Pete Callender. It's a lot of fun when it's not addictive. If you have problems, call 1-800. Never mind. Um, so um, hooties, hooties. That's uh, like I was unaware of, of who these people were uh, up until like a couple of weeks ago. And apparently now uh, we're whacking them. Uh, we're taking out some hooties. And uh, as far as I know, no blowfish, just just the hooties in Yemen, which is one of the one of the most fun uh, names of a country to say. Djibouti is right over in that neck of the woods as well. So I guess I should probably, I guess I should do this first because we as Americans, it is our birthright to not know geography. And so uh, I feel like I need to exp- uh, to kind of go over and explain some of the, um, uh, some of the, the landscape as to where all of this is occurring. So you know the Billy Joel song, Trouble in the Suez? Well, it's sort of this area that we didn't start the fire. And he's talking about all the headlines basically, uh, you know, o- over the course of a boomer's life. And... Um, yeah, so the the trouble in the Suez is the Suez Canal, and you remember a couple of months ago where that big uh, shipping or or the cargo ship uh, where it ran aground and it and it got wedged in the canal and it was blocking up all the traffic and nobody could get around it. That was the Suez Canal, um, and so this is if you um, well, I was going to say if you know where Israel is now. I mean, there is a war. We're not in it, so. We may not know where that is located, but you got the Mediterranean Sea over there, and uh, you know Israel is you know and all of the uh, the the peace loving protesters are out there blocking traffic and they're screaming river to the sea. The sea is the Mediterranean Sea, and uh, Israel has coastline on that sea. So does uh, obviously the the Palestinians, right? The Gaza Strip is on that sea as well, and then next door to that, you got Egypt. Okay, and Egypt is kind of it's kind of a weird shape. Um, it's kind of like a, it's almost like a square, a little bit more of a rectangle, so it's like taller. But then it has this this has this little triangle piece that's like stuck onto it at the top right, and that's the part that borders Israel and Gaza. Okay, well the Suez goes right through where the rectangle and the triangle connect, so they just. So they cut through there and they made a canal. And this way you don't have to go like all the way around the southern tip of Africa. Because Egypt, a lot of people don't know this either. Because again, Americans, we don't know geography. And you know this is true, by the way, when they swapped out the geography category in the original Trivial Pursuit. And they swapped it out with Wild Card. Because that's way more of America's... Uh, pace there. Anyway, so you've got this triangle piece and it's split off from the rectangle piece of Egypt and Egypt is on the northern part of the African continent. Okay, so Egypt split, right? Triangle from from rectangle part. Well, the rectangle part, that has coastline too. So Egypt has two sides of it up against the, the water. It's pretty nice. They got one side on the north side on the Mediterranean Sea. They, they're up there with, you know, Israel and Gaza. And then on their other side, the right side, where the, the triangle is connected and the Suez Canal cuts through there, it connects the Mediterranean Sea with the Red Sea. I'm looking at the map. It says it right there, Red Sea. It's not red, though. It's totally blue on this map. 
So anyway, the then that's the whole right side of Egypt is all the way down, and so that's the their coastline. So the Red Sea then uh, it's like this long strip of water, and they got different. You know, on the on the right side of the water, you got different countries there. You got uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. They got a, they got some uh, some waterfront property there, but down at the bottom, Saudi Arabia doesn't have that whole peninsula. Down at the bottom, you got Yemen. Across the water, you got some you know African countries. You got Ethiopia, Eritrea, uh, Sudan has a little bit of waterfront on the other side. Um, yeah, so that Red Sea then goes out into what is this the uh, the Sea of Oman or something like that, whatever. Point is, it's this really long body of water, the Red Sea. And this is a major shipping channel. And because Yemen is down there right where the Red Sea empties out into, like, the larger uh, uh, body of water, which is, like, that's where everybody goes through, they, the Yemenis, the Yemenis, Yemenites, Yemenoans, I, I don't know what, probably Yemeni. I think it's Yemeni. They, um... Uh, they have like this whole corner where uh, of waterfront, and you would think, wow, with all this waterfront, you could make some really pretty, you know, resorts over there. You could have a lot of waterfront property and the like. But unfortunately, uh, they have opted to go in a different direction, um, much like a lot of people around them in this uh, in this neighborhood. They're, they, they've opted to uh, try to murder a bunch of people. They're, they've decided uh, God wants them to kill a whole bunch of people, and so uh, they are launching a bunch of attacks on the boats that that uh, that sail past them, that are using this global shipping lane. Okay, so uh, they've been firing off a bunch of rockets at a whole bunch of boats. Uh, luckily, uh, their aim stinks, and they're using those Iranian missiles like the. Uh, like the Hezbollah people use and the uh, and the Hamas people use, and so the missiles are notoriously uh, uh, not good. They don't sight well. They're just they don't yeah they're, they're not ideal for some reason. I don't know if it's training or if it's their guidance systems or something, but they're not very good. So they've been launching a bunch of rockets at these boats, and uh, then of course uh, you got all of the. Uh, countries that are like whoa 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 uh you can't do that like globally like since since we've had maritime shipping lanes on the planet uh the protecting of those shipping lanes has been of paramount concern and so uh generally speaking when uh pirates or other countries start attacking uh, merchant ships, just private commercial ships, usually countries don't like that so much and then they start whacking the pirates so here we are. We're whacking pirates. And now they're not necessarily on the water, these uh, hooties. I mean, some of them are on the water. I don't know how big their navy is. It's a, yeah, the hootie navy. I'm not sure. But they, uh, they, they're used, they're usually launching from the land. So, um, the U.S. and the British militaries, uh, along with a bunch of other countries, they, they've been hanging out in the area and they've been shooting the missiles out of the sky. So we've been doing that for a couple of weeks. All of this started after uh, October 7th. Uh, the Houthis were like, you know, long live Hamas and, you know, kill all the Jews. It's literally on their flag. Like they wrote it out. Their flag has words on it. It's like death to the Jews, death to America, uh, death to Israel. So uh, they've got like four lines uh, of Arabic text on their flag. So they're they're very clear, I think, uh, very honest up front about uh, 
about their intentions and, and, and what animates them as a people. Uh, they actually had uh, hundreds of thousands of people pour out into the streets in support of the Houthis and uh, and the Hamasans. So they've uh, I think they're they're pretty clearly um, expressing their views on the matter. Uh, so we've been shooting down some of their rockets. Uh, there was a hit. Uh, they they did hit a boat. I want to say like a couple of maybe days ago or weeks ago. Um, th- so now uh, we have to uh, we we've had to step up the pressure. Um, I'm not sure how the defense secretary was uh, how involved he was in this. You know, being in the hospital and all. I mean, it didn't. I mean, nobody knew he was there while they were discussing this stuff with him. I'm not sure how active a participant he was in the discussions but i'm sure you know i'm sure we'll get to that at some point we'll figure all of that out the u.s and british militaries bombed more than a dozen sites used by the iranian-backed houthis in yemen on thursday in a massive retaliatory strike using warship and submarine launched tomahawk missiles and fighter jets the AP reports the U.S. Air Force's Mideast Command said it struck over 60 targets at 16 sites in Yemen, including, quote, command and control nodes, munitions depots, launching systems, production facilities, and air defense radar systems. President Joe Biden said that the strikes were meant to demonstrate that the U.S. and its allies, quote, will not tolerate the militant groups oh, oh are they just they're just a militant group wait how come they're just a militant group they got a, they got a country don't they they got well they got part of the country yeah uh side story here they've been in a bit of a civil war in yemen it's been going on for a while and people jumping back and forth making alliances it's like survivor over there America going after the Hooties. No reports of any blowfish being taken out, just Hooties. Uh, the Hooties uh, said that uh, the strikes in Yemen killed five Hooties and wounded six, five of their troops and wounded six. So that's like way more blowfish than you would expect. Um, anyway, the uh, president, Joe Biden, uh, he put out a statement saying <laughs> well it's a written statement so i somebody probably wrote this for him he said these strikes are in direct response to unprecedented houthi attacks against international maritime vessels in the red sea including the use of anti-ship ballistic missiles for the first time in history the president went on to note that the attacks endangered u.s personnel and civilian mariners and jeopardized trade Uh, He said, I will not hesitate to direct further measures to protect our people and the free flow of international commerce as necessary. Um, There is some background, because you may be asking yourself, like, who are the Hooties? Hooties, Hooties, right? That's a good question. According to The Guardian, the Hooties are a Yemeni militia group named after their founder, a guy by the name of Hussein Bad-Reading Al-Houdi. Bad read, bad read, bad reading, bad reading, bad reading, bad reading. Anyway, Al Hootie, that was the guy's name, Al Hootie. And uh, he represents 
uh, what is called the Zaidi branch of Shia Islam. Right, so you got Islam, and then it breaks apart into different denominations. Right, you got the Sunni, and you got the the Shia, and they—that's what the word is. Is Shia? It's not Shiite. That's not for years. People will use that word. It's kind of like a derogatory thing because it sounds like something else in German. Anyway, then apparently inside of Shia, you've got different branches there, and one of those branches is the Zaidi branch. And I really don't care. Uh, to go any further down that the, the branch lines. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, their flag says everything I need to know, which is kill all the Americans, kill all the Jews, get rid of Israel, and, you know, praise to Allah, which, mean, and it, it, which means peace. Islam means peace. So it actually means submission to the will of Allah. But anyway, the, um, the, the Zaidi branch, these, these Houthis, they emerged in the 80s in opposition to... Saudi Arabia's religious influence in Yemen because Saudi Arabia remember Saudi Arabia is like at the big it's got most of the territory on this peninsula which kind of looks like a it kind of looks like a, a it's not like a boot like Italy well it is like Italy looks like a boot right but Italy's boot is like long and thin it's like a fashion forward kind of a boot you know it's like a boot you would see on a runway in in Rome or something, or, or, or Paris, like in one of the fashion shows. Very long and slender. The Saudi Arabian Peninsula, the Arabian Peninsula, it looks more like a snow boot. It's like a fat boot, and it's pointed the other direction. So it's like uh, if the, the foot part is, is pointing to the right, and then the long part goes up, it's like a snow boot. And so Saudi Arabia's got most of that, uh, most of the snow boot territory, right? They've got, um, let me see, here it goes... Uh, yeah, well, you got, they, they border Iraq up on the north side, but they have, like, the whole part, like the shin part, the shin and the calf part of the boot, okay? But the toe, that's where you've got Oman, um, Dubai, Yemen, is our, and then Yemen is, like, the heel, okay? So Yemen is the heel of the boot, all right? So... Saudi Arabia's got religious influence because they're Sunni, and so it's starting to spread. Their Sunni um, uh, ways uh, are not exactly welcome down in Yemen. And Sunni and Shia, uh, despite being different sects of Islam, which means peace, they fight each other a lot. Like, they do a lot of murdering for Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and, uh, and, and, and Allah. They do a lot of murdering for a religion of peace. So uh, they uh, they emerged in the 80s in opposition to Saudi Arabia. Uh, they now have an estimated 20,000 fighters, and uh, their official name is actually Ansar Allah, and they run most of the western part of the country, so the heeliest part of the heel, like the most heely part of the heel of the boot on the peninsula, that's the Houthis. This is like the Houthi heel, all right, down there at the... At the bottom. Okay, so they they control that part. Um, so that means they control the coastline that's on the Red Sea. Okay, the Houthis are backed by our old friends Iran. Okay, um, this is part of the long-standing hostility uh, between Iran and Saudi Arabia because Iran is also Shia. Don't know if they're Zaidi branch. Don't care. Um, their, the Houthi leader, after um, the October 7th massacre 
in Israel, the Houthi leader, Abdul Malik al-Houthi, said his forces were ready to move in the hundreds of thousands to join the Palestinian people and confront the enemy, which is weird because they only have like 20,000 fighters. But I don't, like, he says he's got hundreds of thousands of them that, I, I don't know if he just considers like all of the people that are living in Yemen that they haven't killed to be part of his his people, his hundreds of thousands. I don't know. But yeah, because like the math doesn't work out on that. Um, shortly after the start of the Gaza war, the Houthis started launching missiles and drone attacks, and they were they were shooting at the, the boats in the Red Sea. Most of these got intercepted by U.S. and Israeli countermeasures. But the situation escalated in November, November 19th, when these militants, don't call them terrorists, right? Not a terrorist at all. They used a helicopter to seize a, uh, a boat that was carrying a bunch of cars that was chartered by a Japanese company. Right, so this is a civilian boat transporting a bunch of cars chartered by a Japanese company. Um, and so they used a helicopter to take over the boat. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, but Pete, I thought, I thought terrorism was, was you know, targeting civilians in order to prompt changes in broader policy, right? Like you, you, you target the civilians, they're not... Uh, military actors and uh, you would be right that is what terrorism means but but the truth tellers in our media uh, they have labeled everybody a militant because uh, I guess one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter and the best way you freedom fight is by going and targeting civilians right so they targeted this civilian ship they took it over uh, oh I, sh I should also point out that the Japanese company that chartered that boat um, they were linked, according to the Guardian out of the UK, they, the, the company is linked to an Israeli businessman. And then, and so then the Houthis took it over and uh, they abducted the crew. They kidnapped the crew. The Houthis said all vessels that they perceive as linked to Israel or any of its allies would become a legitimate target for armed forces. Multiple attacks on vessels followed, mostly without success. But many shipping companies nevertheless decided to bypass the Red Sea and divert around South Africa's Cape of Good Hope. That's the, that is the very, 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 very bottom of Africa. It's the very tip. South Africa, very bottom. By the way, you know, if you were to travel due west from uh, the Cape of Good Hope, do you know what's the first continent you would land on? You're at the tippy tippy or not to be top the tippy bottom how come they never say tippy bottom anyway the bottomest part of africa uh cape of good hope you go due west first con uh, continent that you land on is africa yeah you go all the way you can go all the way around the world and not touch another piece of land anyway i don't know how i know that i just the the amount of worthless information like that that i have accrued i cannot explain it so anyway um that journey all the way down if you're trying to now avoid the suez canal and you got to go all the way down south of south africa um that adds a lot of money because it adds a lot of time you got to burn a lot more gas a lot more fuel on, on the boats you know um because as far as i know we, we haven't mastered the solar panel power in order to get the boats around the world anyway so it's it's become very expensive and and um and time consuming so that's where we stand now. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Newstalk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender filling in for Vince Coakley today. And uh, we do, I, I do expect him to be back on Monday, but um, he had something come up that he had to attend to. And so he's fine. He's fine. But um, he'll be back Monday. Uh, and uh, remember, you can uh, always get the podcasts at WBT.com. Anyway, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT. 1110. Those are the phone numbers. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and also hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender. So um, you might be asking, what was going on in Yemen before October 7th? Like, what was going on there that these hooties are just running around and uh, doing some stuff like they reinstituted sex slavery? So they, they did that. Um, yeah, so they, like, yeah, they, because that's, that, that's what peace is all about, right? So they, um, they had been gaining support um, from Shia Yemenis that got fed up with the corruption and the cruelty uh, of the authoritarian president, a guy by the name of Ali Abdullah Saleh, right? And so that guy, he was a Saudi ally, uh, authoritarian guy, and after 9-11... And the U.S. invasion of Iraq, um, the protests against him uh, got only got a lot of momentum. So they had protests and uh, they had assassination attempts against Salah, and uh, he eventually resigned. He held on for 11 years after 9/11. Um, he held on uh, until 2012. In 2014, the Houthis allied with their former enemy, though Salah. So they spent all those years trying to get Saleh out, and uh, he finally leaves. And two years later, the Houthis are like, "Hey, yo, let's uh, let's actually work together here." See, because that's one of the other things in this neighborhood too. The alliances they they come and go so quickly. It's always it's just difficult to figure out who's a friend, who's a foe all the time because the uh, the alliances shift again. This is like Survivor or Big Brother or something. 2014, the Houthis ally with Saleh, and then they seize the capital. The capital is called Sana'a. 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 There's a couple A's there with like a little apostrophe in it, so I'm trying to do right by the pronunciation. Anyway, they overthrew the new president, a guy by the, new, uh, the, by the name of Abid Rabu Mansur Hadi. 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 Anyway. He was backed by the West. So they hate the West more than they hate each other, which I guess that explains why the Houthis palled up with uh, Salah, right? After they tossed him out, after they tried to get him out and got him out, and two years later, there's this other guy in there, but he's a little too friendly with the West, and so got to get rid of him. So they pal up with Salah. Uh, after Hadi is forced to flee... The exiled Yemeni government asks its allies in Saudi Arabia and the UAE to launch a military campaign, which was also backed by the West. 
So they're like, hey, let's drive out the Houthis. And a civil war ensues. uh, The U.N. estimates that uh, some 377,000 people have been killed in Yemen, 4 million people displaced by the end of 2021. But uh, the Houthis effectively won that war. In April of 2022, they signed a ceasefire, and that prompted a significant decline in violence, and the fighting has largely remained uh, you know, tamped down, uh, even though the, the truce expired in October. Some Yemenis uh, see the operations, this is according to The Guardian, some Yemenis see the Houthi operations as a legitimate means of exerting pressure on Israel and its allies. Because, once again, you always got to keep in mind, um, in a lot of these Islamic countries, where they're controlled either by the you know a government or a militia or something, um, you know demonizing the Jews, demonizing Israel, demonizing America, uh, there is a good way to di- distract your population, to deflect attention away from your own failings at you know not being able to provide like running water, for example, um, and so you want to distract them from that, and and you want to blame. The other, you blame somebody else outside of your borders because it's one of the other problems when you have these uh, homogenous societies that lack diversity because they're all of the same religion and race and such. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to find the people among you that are responsible, right? Which might be why they 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 fight each other, Shia and Sunni. They go after each other a lot too because. Um, you know, there's no there's no outsiders. There are no others, and so the others are simply a different strain of the same islamic ideology right anyway the um the militants again don't call them terrorists um also believe that attacks in the red sea can make them a more significant global player so this is sort of a like the uh the like a state level a, a a national level or international level uh representation of the scene uh where uh what's his name tom hanks is on the boat after escaping the island with the volleyball. He's on the boat, and the pirates take over the boat, and he says, look at me. I'm the captain now. Look at me. So that's what they're looking to do. They're looking to make a name for themselves. They got themselves a boat, you know, or two. Uh, They got some missiles from Iran, and they're taking shots at more boats. Um, And so they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to become a global player here. Um. Meanwhile, the Saudis are attempting to normalize relations with Iran. They're trying to finalize a peace deal that could recognize Houthi control of the north part of Yemen as well. They have been anxious about any response from the U.S. that could complicate its effort to withdraw from the country. So uh, the Saudis looking to get out of Yemen and looking to, uh, uh, you know, have these uh, these tr- have the truce last longer with the Houthis so uh, they don't have to deal with this anymore. Because that's always the that's the way this always works, don't you know? Is you you sign the truce and then you have peace forever with yeah, they because they never pick up their arms and violate the truce and all that. They never do that. Like their word is their bond. Yes, but in the meantime, the Houthis are uh, are are wreaking havoc on um, on shipping lines. The world's biggest container companies like MSC and Maersk have said that they are avoiding the region. Shipping companies then are left with very few options. 
According to the New York Times, rerouting vessels around Africa adds an extra 4,000 miles and 10 days to shipping routes, and that requires more fuel. But if you keep using the Red Sea, your insurance premiums go up. Either option could bruise an already fragile global economy. And so uh, that's why we are taking out the Houthis, taking out some of their uh, uh, their bases of operation on land. Because we warned them. We told them. We were like, you guys keep doing this. We're going to do something back. And they were like, no, you won't. We don't believe you. Or maybe they were like, yes, we want you to. Because maybe they you know, are under the same kinds of delusions that uh, Hamas is, that uh, they can, you know, they can they can bleep around and never find out, right? Because the world will come to their defense and tell the the country that got hit uh, that you just have to keep getting hit. Maybe they believe that this will work for them too. All they have to do is, you know, cast themselves as the oppressed, which is weird because they're doing a ton of oppression in Yemen against their own people. But that doesn't ever seem to matter to a lot of the global press for some reason or the Western press. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, so they started uh, the uh, the attacks on the ships and uh, members of Congress got briefed earlier yesterday on plans for the strike that occurred uh, after a final warning to the Houthis to stop the attacks or they're going to face potential military action. The warning appeared to have had at least some short-lived impact, according to uh, the AP. Attacks stopped for a couple days. And then on Tuesday, the Houthis fired their largest ever barrage of drones and missiles targeting the ships. And uh, American and British fighter jets responded by shooting down 18 drones, two cruise missiles, and an anti-ship missile. And after the Tuesday attack, Biden convened his national security team. He then directed Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who remains hospitalized with complications from prostate cancer surgery, uh, said, all right, Lloyd, uh, if you can, uh, do the retaliatory strikes you know, from the hospital bed there. And so that's what we saw. So the uh, New England Patriots, they hired Mayo, which makes sense because the Patriots are owned by Kraft and Kraft has never had real Mayo in its lineup before. It just had that Miracle Whip crap. So congratulations to Mayo, new coach of the Patriots. Um, I know people come to me for their NFL news. I, I recognize this responsibility that I that I carry. Um, all right. So uh, what are the countries involved in hitting the Hootney, uh, the Hooties? I almost said Hootenies, like the Hootenanny. Well, I wonder if we could do something with that. There's a marketing opportunity there, I think. Okay, so we have the UK and, of course, us. Uh, Netherlands, Canada, Bahrain, um, Australia, mate, Denmark, Germany, New Zealand, South Korea. There are a whole bunch of countries because we all rely on the Suez Canal which connects the Red Sea to the Mediterranean, right? And if the Houthis are going to uh, block that, and they claim they're blocking it because, you know, the Jews, um, but, you know, th- that is a global shipping lane. Uh, Israel uses it, but everybody else does too. 
Muslim countries use it. So, uh, but they think that this is worth it. This is their equivalent of uh, laying down in the middle of the road, right? They, they're they're like the, they're like the justice for Palestine people, except they don't have a road to block. So they're gonna they're just gonna shoot at boats. That's what they can do. So they're doing their part, right? Um, the rebels uh, have carried out twenty seven attacks involving. I mean, these these are Islamist terrorists. That's who they are. Okay, there are like twenty thousand of them, the Houthis in Yemen, and. Uh, They've been engaged in a war with the Saudi government and their proxies over there. Like, all of this stuff is all just proxy fighting between Saudi Arabia and Iran for uh, for dominance in the region. And they use religion in order to motivate their fighters, you know? Um, 27 attacks involving dozens of drones and missiles just since November 19th. And um, they had warned... The Houthis warned us, they say any attack by American forces on any of their sites in Yemen is going to spark a fierce military response. So this obviously raises the question of whether or not Joe Biden just started a war for us in the Middle East. And maybe he did, or maybe the war is already underway, right? The war may already be ongoing and we just haven't realized it yet. We'll have better perspective, you know, down the road, I don't know. Um, you've got some members of Congress, some Democrats, who are like, Joe Biden should have come to Congress to get a declaration of war. Because this is a tough spot for Democrats. Because you got a, a, a sizable portion of the Democrat voter base that, you know, they hate Israel. Uh, they're, pro, they're out there marching for Palestine, chanting river to the sea, uh, you know, uh, intifada everywhere, uh, kill Jews sometimes, but whatever. Like, like They don't like Israel. And this rise of anti-Semitism being fueled by the DEI, critical race theory stuff, it's, it, it's all Marxism, right? Keep in mind, as James Lindsay always advises, um, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution, right? That's always the underlying issue. They just swap out for marketing purposes, whatever they need to at any given time. That's why sometimes you're like, well, wait a minute. Why are you now promoting this issue when it's at odds with the issue you were promoting like yesterday? And they're now at like you were talking about safe spaces, but now you're saying no safe spaces for Jews on campuses, for example, Um, because the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. So they warned us. They said, the the Houthi said, if you guys attack us, then there's going to be a response from us, a fierce military response. Um, here's the thing, though. Uh, keeping shipping lanes open has always been one of the things that uh, countries from around the world band together in order to preserve, to allow for commerce to occur, right? That's the point of governments. The point of governments is to create a security system and a vengeance system, basically, like justice uh, system, uh, you know, courts and the like. So you don't have vigilantism all over the place. You have rules, you have treaties, and that allows the commerce to occur. That allows the free market, people to make uh, choices of their own volition, uh, to you know, patronize certain uh, businesses and buy certain products and the like, associate with people go to religious services, all of this stuff occurs under the umbrella of security. And remember, the very first 
military action after we became a country was very similar to this, right? The shores of Tripoli. We sent we sent Marines. Thomas Jefferson sent Marines. Why? Because Islamists were abducting and murdering our sailors on merchant vessels. So he sent the Marines. And, by the way, this is where they get their name, the Leathernecks, by the way. Because they, wrote, they, they wore leather on their necks. They put leather bands around their necks. Why? To prevent the beheadings. Like, this is, this is still the same fight. It's been going on for hundreds of years with the colonizers that swept through the Arabian Peninsula and colonized, like, the entire area within a couple hundred years. I mean, it is a profound achievement that they, uh, that they realized. It's kind of been downhill ever since, but uh, they, did, they did a lot of colonizing, a lot of conquering, a lot of converting, you know, a lot of murdering. Um, the Houthis uh, say that their assaults are aimed at stopping Israel's war on Hamas, but their targets have little or no connection to Israel. <laughs> so, uh, once again, they lie. They lie. 